You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, I'm Scott Soshnick. And I'm Evan Novi williams and this is the Ronaldo in Riyadh sports business podcast, The Sportacast. Ooh, considering that you and I just decided moments ago to kick off the show with Ronaldo, Ronaldo in Riyadh is really, really good. You and I both love alliteration, Scott. Uh, we do love up. alliteration. <laughs> I, we, that's, that is why this works. And like, Many people think it's overdone, but you and I do whenever we get a chance. We, we do like to throw in some, some good alliteration. And you at least know he's in Saudi Arabia because <laughs> Ronaldo himself thinks he's in South Africa. Yeah, a little, uh, little, little misspeak there uh, at the press, introductory press conference from Cristiano about, about what country he is in. Scott, this is one of the more, the, the year is, is early, so I won't say one of the more bizarre stories of the year. One <laughs> One of the more bizarre stories of the last few months, Cristiano Ronaldo, one of, if not the most famous athlete on the planet, one of the highest paid. How many or, Instagram followers? Like 500 million? It's 600 million? Yeah, across social media, he's over 500 million, which is Yeesh. just a crazy number to, to think about. Um, he is going to play in Saudi Arabia in something that is nowhere near, anywhere close to one of the better soccer leagues in the world for a club, Al Nasser, that plays in, in Riyadh. Um, it's just a very bizarre result, and who knows if this is the last stop of, of a very storied career or if this is just a stepping stone and he ends up somewhere else again. But but the narrative around Cristiano has always been he wants to play big Champions League events. I think he's the, he and Leo are back and forth around the highest scoring Champions League players of all time. Doing Riyadh and Al Nasser is not the place where he's going to. I don't see Al Nasser qualifying for Champions League. I'm just I, I'm going on a limb here. I don't see it happening. It's probably not going not going to happen. But the money here, Scott, certainly understandable. Two year, reportedly two hundred million dollar deal. I'm going to assume that that is the highest, uh, the, the most amount he was offered from from any other club who was interested. Uh, and just another tie up between Saudi Arabia and soccer. We discussed that Saudis are potentially going to be bidding for the 2030 World Cup. Uh, Qatar obviously seems to have had a lot of success with its 10-year mission uh, to, to host the World Cup and in its club ownership as well. The Saudis, PIF, the, the Saudi Sovereign Wealth Fund, just bought Newcastle. There's rumors about maybe interested in, in another English club as well. There's also a whole said, lot hey, we're, we're ready on. to back any bid for the teams that are for sale. Manchester United, you know, sure. What exactly. Do you, uh, you know, we're happy to some somehow, some way back any private bid too, whatever that means. So are, are you surprised, knowing Cristiano, knowing his legacy, knowing what he seems to what have What do you valued, mean knowing Cristiano? 
I don't know Cristiano Ronaldo. <laughs> so, <laughs> like knowing Cristiano the way you do, no, knowing his career and that he has bounced from Man U to, to to Real Madrid to Juventus back to Man U, always talking about how badly he wanted to play in Champions League the games, yeah. the highest level, the, the the biggest stages in 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 club soccer. Are you surprised that at 37 he ends up in playing at a club that I think most almost all soccer fans globally probably had never heard of as of two months ago? Succinctly, yes. Uh, because I still would have thought it would be about the soccer competing at the highest level. Um, but man, what an what an ego kick when he what put to the bench during the World Cup for Portugal, and then you know the kid that came in scored the hat trick right away, and Ronaldo sort of walked off the field, and man, he sort of looked deflated. It really think about how difficult that must be to have been iconic, best global. Uh, phenomena, and then all of a sudden you're on the bench and your replacement, and it happens to everybody. You know, you know, was it Willie Mays? You know, Father Time is undefeated, right? Like, mm-hmm. it, here it is. But the promotion alone, I get it here from Al Nasser's standpoint and, and Saudi Arabia's standpoint, and we know Messi is uh, working on behalf of Saudi Arabia on that World mm-hmm. Cup bid. So I get that part of it. Um, but I, 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 it's so hard when you're like. Does he need the money? I don't know. Like I can't. <laughs> like you always say, well, he made this much and he doesn't need the money. I have no idea if he needs the money or not. And, I, so, and part and parcel of that, here's a second question for you because uh, I think I know where I stand on this. He was last year, according to our numbers, the third highest paid athlete in the world. 115 million. Uh, a bulk of that, almost half, came from off-field endorsements. Do, does the brand that is Cristiano Cristiano Ronaldo change at all? being the star forward for Al Nasser as opposed to being uh, a, a starting forward on Manchester United. Again, he's always played for the biggest clubs right. in Europe on the biggest stage. Are we at a point now with his social media following with just the way the the, the flat world and the way the news cycle works that, that, that his stardom actually doesn't change relative to where he's playing? Let me ask you this, and I go back to a comment years and years ago that David Falk said to me, and for our listeners who don't know who David Falk is, uh, at one time the most powerful agent in all of basketball clients included Michael Jordan, Patrick Ewing, Alonzo Mourning, Dikembe Mutombo, Jawan Howard, all at the same time, by the way. So David wielded a lot of power. And I'll never forget David a while back. We were talking about brand athletes as brands. And I'll never forget him saying Michael had a brand. Michael's brand was about excellence and winning and best. That was the brand of Michael Jordan. He goes, these other guys don't have brands. Mm. Like, who else has a brand? My question to you is, what is the Cristiano Ronaldo brand if it does exist at all? What is that brand? Is it celebrity? Is it good looking? I, I I'm not sure on the pitch, if I may, you know, go that way. What's the brand of Cristiano Ronaldo now? I certainly think as a player, the brand was also so closely atti- uh, aligned with the platinum brands of the team for which he played that mm-hmm. it mattered. That that certainly mattered. It was excellence at the highest level. That is now gone. That image is shattered. So I wonder, again, I don't know the answer, but I would ask you, if I say to you, give me, you know, this is sort of word association, because if I say Michael Jordan, 
what do you think of champion winning? Yeah. Right. Like that, Com- that's competitor. The, the, yeah. yeah. That that's the brand. That's what, you know, Jordan brand means something. I don't know what the Ronaldo brand stands for and if what, what that means for anybody looking to market, whatever he's, he's pitching. Yeah, I, I think, and and I, I'm not. I, I don't. I don't follow Ronaldo on any of the inst- the social medias. I think. I think of his brand as partially the good looking, partially the high end luxury. I know he's worked with with Louis Vuitton before. I know he's worked with Tag Heuer before. Remember the he great has, quote we had. Remember the great quote we fragrance. had in Oslo Pelit story. The only well, two things that can bring Ronaldo and Messi together: one is Louis Vuitton, the other is Saudi Arabia. There you go. Yeah. So I, I think in some ways it's it's that. I, I personally don't think that his brand takes too much of a hit. Here, I, I just don't. I, I think at this point, he but you is, said his brand again, so you think it's luxury. You think luxury? Ref, I, I wouldn't say refinement. Yes, but I think just if luxury. You were, if you were dare I say at, excess? Yes, I think that's right. I think it is like rich, wealthy European lifestyle. Right? He has a fragrance company. He has a. I believe he's an investor, or he has licensed his name for uh, lifestyle hotels. Yeah, I think he is. Uh, not maybe slightly different, but not that different from like a Roger Federer. I think he wants to be thought <laughs> Ronaldo of as, by Ian Schrager. <laughs> <laughs> I think he wants to be thought of as yeah, the the like high end luxury, good looking, aspirational lifestyle kind of athlete. Um, okay, can you can you tell me? Is there somebody else who's akin to that brand? Is that Roger? Like yeah, you said, I think Fed- Ro- Roger Federer kind but of fits Federer's this refinement, in excellence, my mind. champion. That's all. Like that's all in there too. And he's so liked, right? He's he's just like universally liked. Totally. And and the way that that, that and he Ronaldo's, keeps his shirt on a lot. The way that Ronaldo's tenure at Man U ended this time in terms of publicly com- public comments he made disparaging the coach and the team, et cetera, does not feel Federer like in 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 any way. Um, but I think from a from a from a corporate standpoint, I think that's partially what he's going for. I just don't believe. I, I, to me, Cristiano Ronaldo is a, is a universe in and of himself right now. We saw that in the World Cup when, despite the fact that he was not playing, he was still the most sought after interview on on the Portuguese team. We saw that in same with Manchester United the second time when even when he wasn't playing, he was seemed to be the focal point of all the media's attention. It just feels at this point that he is he is a universe in and of himself. And the, whether that is on playing, that I'll give you, yeah. Whether that's playing in in Saudi Arabia or whether that is playing in Italy or 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 England or Spain, whatever it is, I do feel like he can achieve a lot of the same things himself. Athletes like LeBron, like Ronaldo what they do have in social media is the direct conduit to to the eyeballs, to the fans, to the hearts and minds. Yeah. And you do not lose the worst thing you can be in sports. And it's not it's not a bad it's not bad. Bad is not the worst thing you can be. You know, yeah. there are plenty of teams that are bad. That is not the worst thing. And I think I you know what where I'm going because we've discussed this before. What's the worst thing you can be in sports? Nobody I have a, is it irrelevant? It's irrelevant. Yeah. Yeah. And Ronaldo, I mean, we're talking about him. It's because it's a fascinating sports business story, and yeah. uh, Saudi Arabia certainly will be an interesting story moving ahead in 2023. And he has that direct conduit to the fans and the eyeballs and the hearts and minds. So he will be anything but irrelevant. Mm. So if he's in the mix and if he's in the conversation, I can see there being value because I do agree with you. As I say all the time. We're we're at a, we're at an age now where the brand the players themselves are the brands, yep. so to speak, not not just the teams. So uh, I, I'm just not sure in that luxury world where he chooses to live. I do think it matters that he resides 
the uniform jersey that he wears is universally recognized as you know it's it's almost a luxury thing there if you're you're rooting for Manchester United or Real Madrid those are premium platinum brands yourself like like the associations uh in, in a way augment ju- the player himself mm-hmm. i'm not saying it brings it to zero but there is certainly a, a boost of ronaldo putting his brand alongside those teams um so how much you know what's the percentage what does he lose i'm not sure I know he's sure as heck going to be talking to the world and Saudi Arabia is counting on that because he said this is a in his introductory press conference, right? Oh, I, I care about the future. Everything was about the future. Now, that's I'm, I'm interested My when my son, my focus group of one, he's 13. Like he talks about Ronaldo, but almost in a mocking way. Mm, yep. You know, he and his pals, like they have the reverence for Messi. You know, they, they saw they saw Kylian Mbappe was at the Nets game and they were all talking about it. Now, Ronaldo goes to Al Nasser. I don't know how much he's going to be top in mind for them. And those kids he so eloquently talked about, girls included, young women, uh, I'm not sure what the effect will be if uh, if he's not hearts and minds, top of mind in, in, in the kid world. One interesting way to answer part of this question, I think, would be to look at if Al Nasser is included in the next FIFA video game, just to look at how popular... The team yeah. is how many people are playing. I think have, that's a great question. With El Nasser and EA with, or whatever? with Cristiano, I don't yeah. know. The, 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 it's not called FIFA anymore, right? The, right. The, that that world is fracturing a little bit in terms of there maybe not being a central soccer video game globally moving forward. So I don't know where Al Nasser's relationships are. Al Nasser licensing revenue quadruples on Ronaldo signing. Well, well, part of that, yeah, it's funny. I, I was just, while you were talking, went to go to the Al Nasser website just to kind of see what they were doing with Ronaldo. The website's down. I don't know if that's because... They sold a bunch of shirts, right? We were wondering in the first three days, it was like 250,000 shirts. Yeah, who knows if they are, and it's way too early to tell if they're going to recoup whatever the $200 million that it seems like they're going to pay Cristiano. But I'm sure right now... This is just an avalanche of commercial opportunity in the immediacy for Al Nasser. And, and that may be exactly what the backers of this team and, and, and Saudi Arabia, that, that may be exactly what they're trying to buy. All right. Speaking of avalanche, avalanche of attention on Dana White right now. Mm. Uh, caught on tape. You know, his, uh, he said that he and his wife were in a, in a nightclub. Was it, was it Vegas? or no, in, it was, Mexico. It was, it was Mexico. Believe, Sorry, yeah. it, was, it was Mexico. Uh, his, his wife slapped him. He slapped her back. Um, uh, of course now, you know, he, he leads, he's the face, he's the brand, he's the everything of UFC, right? We say he's like Dave Portnoy is to Barstool. Yeah. Um, that's what Dana White is to UFC. He's so integrated and aligned with the brand and the product. Um, the parent company Endeavor stock was down about 6% on a day when, by the way, stocks were down across the board, but you do have to wonder what role, uh, that that incident did play and right now we haven't heard much from ufc or endeavor um you know new, new cycle may may working may be working to their advantage right now but uh just a, a guy who's so closely aligned they're the, aligned with the sport league that there's certain danger here 
if for whatever reason he cannot continue. Dana's been involved with UFC for for decades. I believe he was a high school classmate of the Fertitas who they're not the the people who founded UFC, but they are the ones that took it into being a massive commercial property. He stayed on as a as an equity holder when Endeavor bought and, and KKR and Silver Lake bought their first tranche and then I believe he was bought out when 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 Endeavor bought the 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 full 100% two years ago, but Outside you're right. Outside of Conor he McGregor, is, he may be the biggest star associated with UFC. I would say that right now he's probably even bigger than, yeah, he is as valuable. You mentioned Dave Portnoy. I think it is a pretty good comparison because both of those people are also extremely controversial. And, yeah. and you, I think you can make an argument that both of them deserve to have been punished more than they have been in the past for, for things that they have done. But yeah, he is, he is the unquestioned leader, both on for, for fans. And I think on the business side, for UFC and, and this is a very ugly incident. I, I know you watched the video, Scott. So did I. It is not. There, there's no easy way to sugarcoat it. That that he was he, he's hitting his wife. He has very publicly in the past spoken about zero tolerance policies for fighters in UFC in terms of of, of domestic violence. Uh, so, so I do think there is a little bit of hypocrisy here there. But but the, the radio silence from Endeavor and and UFC. I'm I'm very curious to see if that lasts. Or if at some point someone says something, and if and if they do, whether that something is some sort of a punishment of some sort for for Dana, or if it is something less than that, it's clear that investors, at least very temporarily on 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 Tuesday, felt very strongly that this was a bad thing for for UFC's business, and as a result, Endeavor's business, and that could be because they thought a a suspension or a, or, or some kind of punishment was coming for Dana and that his absence from the business was going to hurt the business. It could be that they thought uh, advertisers might turn away, in which case that would obviously harm harm the business. Uh, someone on Twitter suggested to me that maybe there are algorithm trading bots, like algorithm bots that read the news and thought yeah. that this was immediately a big deal and as a result created a little mini sell-off of Endeavor. I think there's a few interesting possibilities there. But look, anytime your, your stock drops 8% because of the behavior of of an executive. It's something that your company has to take note of. And when the behavior is this, when, when it is uh, in public, uh, a, a male CEO hitting his wife, I think there's double reason to, to, to be sensitive about it and, and to take some sort of action. We should be, we should note that his wife apologized. He apologized, you know, on uh, TMZ. So yeah. we should at least note that it wasn't the only incident, by the way. And this one's a bizarre one. Like Greg Berhalter, the coach oh, of the U.S. So, men's so national weird. team, yeah. you know, came out with, I guess, I guess it was going to come out anyway, but he, he put on Twitter a statement that, that he, I, I guess in essence, he was being blackmailed for an incident that happened, what, two decades ago when More his than that. wife 31 was, years ago, all right, yeah. when his wife was his girlfriend and they got in an argument and he, and he said he kicked her in the legs and I guess somebody was threatening that they were going to bring it to U.S. soccer and you know, U.S. soccer followed with as soon as we find out, we've launched an investigation and we'll see what what comes of it. And man, just bizarre world in the sports business world with with this stuff. Yeah. And I don't want to I, I don't want to overthink or, or, or speak out of hand about co comparing these two things. I do think there is a difference between doing something like this as an adult and as an employee of a company, which is where the face Dana of White a company, fits, not an employee, the face of a, of a league versus an incident with Greg that happened when he was a teenager and also happened dozens of years before he was employed by U.S. soccer. I do think there is slightly uh, a, a difference there, but it is wild, Scott, that these two things essentially came to light 
became public within roughly 24 hours of one another on, on Monday and Tuesday. I'm just fascinated by sort of the risk mitigation one can, uh, leagues, teams, whatever, when you are so closely aligned. And I guess maybe we saw a little bit of this with Vince McMahon in WWE. Mm. Yeah, and another you great know, comparison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just what can you do? And this is just from a sort of a you know Harvard Business School case study here. What can you do when you're so closely aligned with one person? You know, what are the risk mitigation measures? Or how do you diversify? I guess you're trying by whether you get guys like Conor, Conor McGregor or Ronda Rousey at, at the time, you're developing lots of stars that you can point to. You don't want to be so dependent on just one person. But, you know, you say UFC, I close my eyes. I th- All right, my, my knee jerk, I got to tell you, is Conor McGregor. And then, okay, you know, if I'm playing Family Feud, number two, I'm 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 saying Dana White without question. The UFC has will in some ways will kind of live and die off of Dana's performance and behavior. And for the past decade, that's been a it's been a really good bet for the business. The business is is humming. It is spinning off a lot of cash. It's been invaluable to Endeavor over the past half decade as the company stopped and started on an IPO and then and then finally went public. All of those things have been have been really good. UFC wise relative to Dana, but this is the other concern on that coin, right? Is that something happens with him that, that, that is the opposite. And suddenly you also feel the dramatic business effects of that as well. All right. Nobody better than you to discuss the NCAA and proposed changes and things we're looking at. So I, I, they make 171 million bucks, right? In the men's basketball fund. They're looking at new ways. One of the changes they're proposing is a, a redistribution of that revenue to different sources. Tell me, what do I need to know about what the NCAA seems to be signaling? So, so a year and a half ago, the NCAA created... <laughs> I love that, a year and a half ago. <laughs> a year and a half ago. Uh, <laughs> created a, what they call the Transformation Committee, which was a group of 21 uh, athletic directors, presidents, other people in and around the business of college sports. Their task was essentially to modernize, create suggestions to modernize the NCAA. The national governing body for college sports recognized that there was a whole lot changing about the the, the execution, the operation, and the business of high-stakes high college sports, from name, image, and likeness to Congress potentially getting involved to a number of lawsuits, antitrust suits that have forced changes to economic strains and the separation of the haves and the have-nots. The NCAA correctly recognized that the whole the reins of the entire operation were slipping from their hands, and they created this transformation committee to, to dive into all of these issues and come back with a number of recommendations for how the NCAA might be able to keep its hand on the reins of, of, of college sports, but also satisfy what this what this whole enterprise looks like in, in, in the 21st century. The Transformation Committee, Scott, this week delivered those recommendations, and it's a whole wide swath of things. Just give me two. So two, one of the ones you mentioned, the, the way the NCAA divvies up its revenue. Um, th- th- there's a whole bunch of different ways, but the biggest tranche of money the NCAA divvies out goes to conferences just based on how they perform at the men's basketball tournament. That's $171 million next year that will be divvied up to schools just based on how they do in that one event. And there's a way to look so at that. that that's as, good news for the Big Ten, good news for the ACC. It's good great news, news for, yeah. for, for a lot of those big conferences. And, yeah. and to be clear, the NCAA makes 90% plus of its revenue from the men's basketball tournament. And the thought has always been at the NCAA, because most of the money comes from this event, let's divvy up a lot of the money based on how teams do and how conferences do at that event. Now, the detractors over the past few years have, have become a bit more vocal in saying, look, this is 
it seems silly to for, for an organization that oversees so much more than men's basketball to, to give its biggest tranche of money out based just on one event. So why not include the women's basketball tournament in that? Why not include the Frozen Four? Why not make Which, by this the way, they've recognized can, can generate a whole lot more revenue if they only change the way they go about yeah, it. So yeah, it comes in, so, so one of the recommendations was, <laughs> let's figure out a way to divvy up that money along the lines more than just men's basketball. And that includes, it says right in there, more gender equity in terms of the, the performance metrics that go into to the designation, um, and also thinking a bit more thoughtfully about what's fair and what isn't when it comes to that money. So, so that, to me, Scott, especially for us at Sportico, that was one of the big things that stood out to me, is that, oh, this huge pool of money that the NCAA gives out every year, that could soon be, be given out in a very dramatic, in a dramatically different fashion, and that could have big effects for the, for the business side. Another one that, that, that fans may care more about, the, the, the committee recommended that all of the NCAA championships uh, be available to about 25% of the school's that participate in that sport. And if you do the math on men's basketball, uh, that would mean that March Madness, the men's basketball tournament, would expand to 90 teams from, from the 60, 68 that it is right now. Um, that is something sport by sport that each sports committee is going to look at in the next few months. So it's definitely not absolutely happening. But uh, the NCAA does see, or this, 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 this committee at least does seem to be implying that maybe the NCAA should widen a lot of its championships. And for the men's and women's basketball tournaments, that would mean a dramatic increase in the number of teams that get to play and compete in it every year. So we have play-in games now. You need a play-in game to get to the play-in game. Yeah, I mean, good luck figuring out how to structure a, a 90 to 89 games just to just to name a champion. That that is uh, that is a tall order. And it's funny along the lines of the college football playoff is expanding, and almost all of the major U.S. leagues have expanded their playoffs in the past five to ten years. Uh, this is certainly a trend that is happening. The World Cup. Right. This was the last World Cup that is 32 teams, and it's going to be dramatically bigger uh, when we see the next Men's World Cup uh, here in, in North America in, in, in 2026. Uh, there's a whole lot. This is a, a trend that's happening in sports, but it may be coming to the NCAA Men's Basketball Tournament. This well. will be the streaming exclusive portion of the NCAA Tournament, right? That'll <laughs> yeah. be the Apple or the, Amazon the, yeah, streaming the Amazon exclusive. First, first 25. There you go. <laughs> that, you, you got it exactly. We'll call it the prime something or other, but that priming the pump, right? We're priming the the, the March Madness pump. That's exactly, exactly. yeah. What, one other thing I'll say on the on the NCA stuff. There, there's a couple lines in there where the committee uh, essentially, in various ways, says that the, the NCA should continue to maximize revenue opportunities and maybe find some untapped revenue opportunities. And my brain, Scott, immediately went to sports betting. It of is course. it is one of those areas where the NCA has not followed in the professional league's footsteps in the past two years. You of know it's rapidly coming whole embracing hog. Yeah, and we, it's we absolutely know it's coming whole hog. And I think one of the concerns for the NCAA is that if they wait too long and conferences decide to do it themselves or schools decide to yeah. do it themselves, and we've seen a little bit of that already, that maybe the NCAA just kind of gives up the, the opportunity at some point by waiting too long. So sports betting was not named directly in the committee's findings, but I think it was, it's hard to read those lines and not think that the committee is is kind of nudging the NCAA, which has a new president coming uh, in a couple months, just nudging the NCAA to, to to maybe take a hard look at those opportunities more than they have. How long ago was it where Genius Sports struck its deal with the NCAA for data? Like, yes, you know, six, that, six that, or was seven the, that was years the trumpet ago. precursor. Yeah. That's the saying it without saying it portion of the program, right? Totally, there. and and I I agree with that. But it's been 
it's been what four yeah it's been four or five years since the u.s market opened up in some capacity and the the nfl which it was also slow to move in this world is already two years into the, the wheels having of a big, change a, a big genius sports partnership and, and and some big sports books as well so the ncaa is definitely taking a long time Evan, the wheels of change at the ncaa are square Number one, and in the the more things change, the more they stay the same. I had the easy job on this. You were combing through sort of the release from the NCAA with all yeah. these changes and proposals. I just got to sit next to you, and every time you were like, "Oh, oh, oh," I was like, "Oh, what's the O?" <laughs> so you had all the hard, you know, the hard part. But I loved it where you said uh, you, you looked at me and said, "Up, oh, big change here." The committee recommends subcommittees. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's a line in there, and I was like, okay, so not everything is changing here. This is not this is not a whole scale operation. There's a few things the NCAA loves more than than subcommittees and working groups. And and rest assured, folks, that that is also written into these suggestions for uh, for the new modernized, new and improved NCAA as well. Hardworking as always, Novi Williams. But from subcommittees to breaking news, we love this as we record. Guess what? More Michael Rubin news. I love it. Fanatic selling its stake in Candy Digital. Didn't see it coming, but uh, give me some details. What do you got? Yeah, the, the NFT, Candy Digital, for folks who don't know, NFT platform launched in, in, in the middle of 2021 by Michael Rubin, Michael Novogratz, and Gary Vaynerchuk. Obviously, three huge names there. Um, they, they were catching the, the height of the tidal wave of, of sports NFTs. Very bullish on the platform, obviously. Uh, and things have changed a bit in, in the uh, in the 18 months since we've seen NBA Top Shot sales drop dramatically. We saw layoffs at Dapper Labs. We saw layoffs at Candy Digital yep. uh, t- t- two months ago or so. I think there's a lot of expectation resetting happening in this industry right now, and it's clear that that Michael Rubin is is part of that as well. That they are going to Fanatics is going to continue to be involved in NFTs to a degree with tops and, and its own uh, collectibles market. But uh, Michael Rubin, the news of today, Fanatic selling its majority stake, all of its majority stake in Candy Digital. The buying group uh, is a group led by Mo- Michael Novogratz. I was going to ask Galaxy that and you, got, and you went right to it. Good for you. Uh, so Michael, who is one of the, the biggest crypto bulls, I would say, in, in the Wall Street circles right now, he is doubling down to a degree or maybe even more than that. Um, but yes, this is a this is a big news in in the NFT world. Again, we've seen we've seen the market cool off quite a bit, and I think Michael, who is Michael Rubin, who is building, as you know, Scott, trying to build this one stop shop of of commerce for sports fans. Focus I on sports betting right now. I, we know where focusing on sports betting, but I think the the fact that he is 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 pulling out of this industry, I think, is going to actually cause a lot of people to turn some heads across the industry in the next few months. Don't you want to use the word consternation? <laughs> yes, I, I think if I was invested in a sports NFT platform, uh, this is news that would probably concern me quite a bit. Didn't Saturday Night Live do an NFT skit? Right, remember that? Uh, they did. Yeah, it's yeah. Very, so it's that, I mean, we're a like, long trying to, way trying to from, define what an NFT yeah, yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, we're a long way away from SNL explaining NFTs to everybody. Yeah, that's right. That's right. He is Eben Novi Williams on the Twitter at Novi underscore Williams. I am Scott Soshnick on Twitter at Soshnick. Our producer is Matt Whitehurst. Thank you very much for all you do, Matt. Our digital media editor is Cora Veltman. She loves it when I remind you that the show can be found at Sportacast, which is the hub of what will once again be expanding a Sportico Media Network. Jeez. 
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.